Eagles Entertainment. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right of the day, and we're getting you ready for week four as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 477. At the top of today's show, we've got three and out, where I chat with my friend Ross Tucker about this upcoming Eagles-Commanders matchup. Three big topics. We're talking through uh, pre-snap motion. We're talking about the run game on both sides of the football here in this game. So we're going to talk through that with Ross there. After that, we've got Faux Focus, where Ben Standing from The Athletic is going to jump by. One of the most respected voices covering the wide. Washington football team. So we're going to do that uh, with Ben there in faux focus. We've got some extra analysis from our Eagles game plan crew as well. Uh, before we get there, make sure you head on over to the Eagles uh, YouTube page. Go check out the All-22 review. A lot of the clips that uh, we talked about, we're going to talk about some of it with Ross here in this show. Uh, you're going to hear uh, the uh, the Eagles game plan guys. So Greg Cosell and Mike Quick, Ike Reese. If you listened to the podcast with Greg earlier this week, a lot of that, a lot of that analysis, you want to get that in video form on the All-22 review. So go check that out over on the the Eagles YouTube page. That is live right now as I am recording this. So you can go and watch that uh, and get caught up on everything that you may have missed in last week's win and get you ready for this week's upcoming game against the Washington Commanders. Uh, that said, let's get into it now. Excited for Ross Tucker. It's time for three and out. How about this for a start? They've got him again! What a defensive stop. Slay's second pick of the game. Oh, I'm going to have to call him big play. And this defense does the job. One, two, three and out. All right, here once again for three and out, my friend Ross Tucker to talk through everything uh, Eagles getting ready for week four against the Washington Commanders. Uh, Ross, look, this is uh, one of three teams remaining in the NFL. That's three and oh, this Eagles team uh, off to a good start, obviously. And you know what? I, I think I probably speak for a lot of people that follow the Eagles that I feel the best I have so far with the way they perform Monday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just really impressive. I mean, Ended up winning by two touchdowns, but didn't feel like the game was that close. I mean, there were other opportunities the Eagles had that they weren't able to cash in on. That was a – you look at the yardage and stuff. It's about as dominant of a performance as you can have in an NFL game from a yardage standpoint. Yeah, it was a full team victory. You know, you had plays on special teams. You look at the defense, obviously, and then offensively, you know, they're running for uh, as much as they did on the ground, uh, making some of those big plays in the past game. It still wasn't perfect. You're still not playing your best ball there, but to be able to uh, continue to be able to move the football, I, you look at some of the missed opportunities. I mean, that, that, that game could have been a laugher, and you, there's always the woulda, coulda, shoulda in this sport, but uh, I think when you look at this team, plenty of meat left on the bone, and it's better to not peak too early uh, in the NFL. That said, uh, let's get into our three big topics going into this game against the Washington Commanders, the Eagles' first NFC East game of 2023. And I want to start with the run game with the defense going up against Washington. And I think when you go back to last year, that was a huge topic of conversation coming out of that loss midseason. Washington giving the Eagles their first L on the year, Monday night football. And a big part of it was all oh, the, the run game, the run game, the run game. And yes, like the run game did have something to do with it. I would say that we, you know, go, reflecting back on those conversations, uh, a lot of that was, well, the Eagles didn't do well on first and second down. And you had a lot of third and ones and third and twos that they were able to capitalize on. But I think when you look at 
Brian Robinson, the way he's running the football right now. And just look at the metrics. I mean, uh, they're number three right now in rush yards per attempt. They're number one uh, in yards after contact per attempt. They're number one in explosive run percentage. Uh, and it's a lot of like one back stuff. We're going to go against, uh, you know, when you've got a light box, we're going to go and we're going to ground and pound you. And Brian Robinson's running really hard. You got to give him a lot of credit. Uh, this is a guy that uh, is kind of one of those kind of like, high cut bangers uh, playing downhill and he's tough to get to the ground. Uh, So this is a guy that has that ability to be a sustainer in that offense. And if you look at the way Tampa Bay knew that they had to play, we talked about this with Greg earlier this week, the Bucs knew going into this game in week three that they had to be able to get the run game going. With that offensive line trying to hold up against this Eagles defensive front, you're not going to be able to drop back 40 times a game on pure drop back situations. You need to be able to get something going on the ground. Washington knows that. They're going to try and stay ahead of the sticks. The Eagles have to try and do exactly what they did a week ago uh, against Washington, and that is make sure you don't let that happen. Don't let them uh, churn out efficient offense and let that run game get going. Yeah, I think the the thing I want to piggyback on there, Fran, is especially with the way this commander's offensive line is built, they really need to run the ball or be able to run the ball. Yep. Sam Howell's taking a lot of sacks. They're not great in, in one-on-one pass pro. We know what this Eagles defensive line is all about, what they're capable of. And so one way or the other, they got to stick with the run. And that's tough for coordinators sometimes, especially when you're not having success with it early. And maybe they get Hal involved. Hal's, you know, go back to his his last year at UNC. He's a better runner, I think, that people give him credit for. And maybe that's the key to try to get the plus one in the run game hmm. and make the Eagles have to defend a quarterback that that can run. Look, he's not Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts, but he can run enough that you can't just let him pull the ball running around the edge. Yeah, uh, and look, the, the numbers uh, are what they are from this past week, right? Nine sacks, four interceptions for Sam Howell. Uh, I think the tape over the course of the three-game stretch uh, paints a little bit of a bit different story. This is a guy that will stand tall and he'll deliver in the pocket. He made some outstanding throws over the first three weeks of the season. So, uh, you know, this is a guy that can deliver in that offense, can make throws to all three levels of the field. Uh, you know, it's now it's about making sure you try and take away those first reads. If you get them into third and long, yeah, he's, he's probably going to make a throw or two in this game game but more good than bad is going to happen to you if you're the Eagles defense I think that there's a lot of truth to that I'll also say you know they've got some pretty good receivers that they haven't really done a ton yet but with the Eagles still moving around pieces in the secondary and guys in and out of the lineup you know we we've seen what McLaurin can do against this team we know what Dotson's capable of let's hope this is not the game where those guys kind of get on track yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go with point number two. What do you what do you have in store for us? You know, I want to look at the other side of the ball a little bit and the Eagles running game. I feel like Fran, the, the last couple teams, it's a pick your poison thing, which is good. I mean, that that's what good teams have. And if they're going to be concerned about the explosive plays down the field and they're going to try to take that away with a lot of these two deep safety looks, then you're going to have more an opportunity to run the football. And the Eagles have done that. I actually thought speaking of missed opportunities, that there were a couple times in the first half that I I, I was a little surprised the Eagles didn't stick with the run because it felt like the Bucks were powerless to stop it. But that's sort of the give and take throughout a game based on what you're seeing from the defense. I just don't think, Fran, that Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio are going to let the Eagles run the ball over them. I know how, how the new age feels about explosive plays and how that's the difference in the game and it's not that big a deal if you give up some rushing yards. 
Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio played linebacker in the NFL in the 80s, okay? For those guys to watch DeAndre Swift run up and down the field against their team, I just don't think they can tolerate that. I think they're going to try to slow down or stop the Eagles' run. And, you know, it's kind of like when you're going against a team, Fran, in basketball that's better than you and they got better big guys. You know, you got to give them some open threes and hope that they're off that night. Hope that they're not making them. And I'm not saying that you're trying to give them open threes, but if you have to concede something, I think if I'm the commanders watching the last two games, I'm going to make Jalen Hurts beat me throwing the ball down the field. I, I, you know, I'm hoping that my guys in man coverage can hold up. I'm hoping that maybe Hurts is off. I'm probably not going to let the Eagles just run the ball right down my throat because it feels like you're definitely not going to win if you do that. So that, that's that's what we're at at this point with the way the Eagles are running the football and with the way their offensive line's playing. I'm really curious to see how the commanders end up playing it. And that's what's been fascinating is that when you think of that front, right? When you, you, We know Payne and Allen, those guys got huge contract extensions and what they can do against the pass is certainly viable. Uh, but I think when you look at them against the run, historically, you look at that and say, yeah, like these guys are really, really good at the point of attack. The numbers just don't bear that out this year. And when you watch them on film, like they've given up a lot of explosive plays on the ground. You know, James Cook burned them a handful of times last week. Uh, you look at what like the Denver backs did and you even go back to like James Conner in week one. Uh, those guys have churned out some serious like explosive plays on the ground against this team. Uh, they're near the bottom of the league and like rush yards per attempt. Uh, again, a lot of the numbers don't paint this defense very favorably in this area. So I, I got to think, you know, you're, you're watching the film. If you're the Eagles, you look at this and you're like, yeah, like, all right, I feel pretty good uh, about this matchup on the ground. Uh, and look, the, you know, this is a good secondary as well. We talked about that uh, with Greg earlier this week. I think that's, uh, it's probably one of the more underrated secondaries in the NFL. Um, but I was shocked just kind of going through and just seeing what this team has given up in the ground game. There's going to be the opportunity there for this Eagles offense in that, in that regard. I think there will be, um, but I also think that the commanders, they've watched the last two games. They know that they can't mm -hmm. just let the the Eagles O-line and running backs tee off on them. I, I think, look, do you want to have your corners in man-to-man -man coverage with a single high safety against A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith all the time? Probably not, but I, I personally think it's the better alternative yeah. because I think if you just try to prevent the explosive plays, you're going to lose. Like They're, they're going to move the ball down the field, score points. And I don't know, you know, how many points the commanders are thinking they're going to be able to score against this Eagles defense. It feels like their best chance to win a game is probably a lower scoring game. Yeah, and we've talked a lot about the defensive minds the Eagles faced to start the year those first three weeks. You know, Jack Del Rio, obviously, as you mentioned, he's been around a long time. Ron Rivera's been around a long time. They're not the you know, unique exotic fronts and the different like amoeba looks up front where they're going to put, uh, you know, creepers and like six, seven guys down the line of scrimmage and drop four out and who's coming and who's not. This is much more of like a lineup and play kind of defensive operation, right? And we're going to play, we're going to play zone coverage behind it. Uh, here's our four rushers. We might blitz Jameen Davis inside at times, right? But overall, like you kind what you see is what you kind of get. We're going to line up and play. As an offensive lineman, uh, what does that mean for you going into this matchup in terms of like what you're going to expect going against Washington? Yeah, I mean, they've gone against a bunch of exotic stuff so far. So I I think they're kind of used to it and, and ready for it. I know Jason Kelsey has spoken about that, but it's just really impressive what those guys are. I mean, Fran, the Eagles go into every game knowing – 
that they have the better O line and the better D line. It's like you're it's like you're starting on third base every single game. It's unbelievable. It, it yeah. really is. That's a great way to describe it, and it's true. And you know what? You know, back in the day when I was a young Eagles fan, they would try to invest in the O line, like they would draft Anton Davis and Bernard Williams, but those guys didn't end up being that good. You know, the last couple of years, the guys they've invested in, they're all good. I mean, Landon Dickerson, Cam Jurgens are both really good players. Uh, you know, defensively, Jordan Davis has taken a big step. Jalen Carter has been good from from the jump. I mean, it's not just investing at the position, Fran. You got to get the right guys. They got to be good players. I am really enjoying watching Cam Jurgens play right yep. guard. You know, he's taken to it. Very quickly. I mean, jump setting people, good with his hands. He's just super quick and it really, really helps him. Uh there I there was a number that was given out last or a uh, a fact that was given out last fall at this time, and I'm pretty sure it still holds holds true. Unfortunately, I don't remember who tweeted this out. And so I, I apologize that I'm not giving the the proper credit here, but the the fact essentially was you know, Jeff Stoutland has been the offensive line coach here in Philadelphia since 2013. Every so we're talking, you know, a 10 year sample, 11 year sample now going on. Every offensive lineman that the team had drafted from that point on was st- is still in the NFL. Is that wild? That is insane. Uh, and like, I j- again, just come pointing to your uh, to your point that, um, you know, the, the evaluations have been right. That is all bananas. That's wild, right? Like, that's, that's like unheard insane. of, right? Um, so yeah, this uh, it's it's fun to watch this team for that reason. Just knowing, like going into every game, that's going to be a huge question. It might seem repetitive, but uh, that that is going to be a topic with every single matchup. Let's go to, now to the uh, the the final topic, and this one comes from our Apple Podcast page. Michael J left a question here, and he said, "Hey, you guys are the only place to get this kind of material." Just like last year with Jonathan Gannon's defense, Sean Desai Sean Desai's scheme requires that. Every time a slot receiver moves across the formation, the nickelback follows the motion in the middle and will linebackers will exchange positions. So basically you're flopping the flopping the, the strength of the formation. That means that three defensive players have to move with only one offensive player uh, moving you know, on the opposite side. This sometimes leads to the Eagles defensive players being in the wrong position or confused about their assignments. Why can't the linebackers stay home and simply exchange responsibilities? Looking forward to your analysis. And I thought I saw this and I was going to answer it separately. But I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on it, especially because like everyone's making a big deal about pre-snap motion all around the NFL. Certainly we're seeing one extreme of it uh, in Miami with what they're doing on seemingly every single play uh, with motion and how that, you know, how you kind of handle that. Um, So I wanted to take that. Yeah, we'll talk about this from a defensive standpoint, but also like an offensive uh, side as well. Look, I think defensively, there's two ways you can look at it. Yes, there is the, the you highlighted the pros and cons, right? In terms of, well, they, now you're asking three guys to move and exchange responsibilities and and go about there. But if you're going the opposite way, a you need everybody to be on the same page in terms of like, okay, the, we're going to still maintain this call uh, while nobody travels with it uh, with with that with that receiver. If nobody's going to run with it, well, now all of us need to know like, okay you've got this responsibility now you've got this responsibility as opposed to just flipping it. Um, you know, and so like, I guess there's, there's pros and cons to it, uh, you know, to either way you look at that Ross. But, um, and I, I, the other thing I would say too, is that not, that is not an every time someone goes in motion, you flip the formation. That is a, uh, certain, you know, depending on the call defensively, you're not going to do that every single time. No. Well, first of all, the nickel part of it, is a totally different position than the linebackers. Yep. They can't just bump it. 
I was actually uh, I called the Ole Miss Alabama game last Saturday, and Alabama does what the Eagles do. Ole Miss just like they feel like their two guys are kind of interchangeable. They're two safeties, and so they don't have one guy's the nickel and the other guy's the safety. They just play left and right, which right. is unique. Um, so the nickel part of it, Michael, is not even debatable. You do not want your linebackers covering slot receivers. Yep. Now, the two linebacker portion of it, the middle and the will, it's a little bit more interesting. And there could be teams where you feel like both of those guys are interchangeable and they can just bump it. But usually those guys are not interchangeable. They're used to seeing plays one way. And so if you think about it, if you switch them, if you just have them bump rather than switch, then they're probably getting half the reps in practice because they're not seeing every rep. Whereas this way, they're always seeing the rep the way that it would unfold in the game as opposed to getting half the reps. I don't know if that makes sense or not, Fran, but that's, that's it's, a part it's of it tough too. to do it in an audio only medium, right? To like go through this. And so like, uh, I would say the, especially with the amount of zone match coverage that defenses play, and certainly the Eagles are one of them, right? Where everything is rules based. And I, I would imagine that this would be similar to like an offensive line, right? Where you were talking about this last week, that everything is rules based. If you were to say, okay, this is our rule against a three by one set, or this is our rule against a two by two set. Once that math changes, your rules change. And so you need to be in your role because you know the rules of that role. And so if you are splitting roles and cross-training and saying, all right, well, I know that I'm the I'm the mic now in a two-by-two, but things will change if it's a three-by-one and now I'm the will to have to do all of that calculus pre-snap in two seconds that's really tough. That's really tough, right? You're almost like you wouldn't expect your guys to be able to do that, uh, you know, at a high, high rate. That that that's difficult to do, and so um, I, I think that is part part of the reason why you see that kind of movement. And again, there's there's pros and cons to everything. And I I would say this about like the motion on the offensive side as well, because I've seen a little bit of that uh, that chatter on like Eagles Twitter and stuff. Is um, you know, the, oh well the the lack of pre snap motion well there there's and Ross I'm sure you've been on teams motion was different back in the you know in the early 2000s uh, when you were playing now than what it is now but uh, there's pros and cons from an offensive lineman standpoint when it comes to pre snap motion right like you're changing the picture of the defense exactly what we just outlined if you're the center and you've got the entire protection scheme laid out and uh, the slot receiver goes in motion from the left to the right and now the entire d- picture changes well now your protection calls got to change and now your everything's out of whack. That's a good point. They they do it a lot, too, because to try to slow down the defense mentally, because it's like one more check, one more communication right before the snap. You know, if, if you just line up in it, you know, you better have better players than the other people. Right. Yep. Um, so that's one reason why they do it. I mean, I think the way I, I understand the question Um there's pros and cons of both. Exactly. Yeah, no question. Well, Ross, uh, uh, before we let you go, we got to know uh, where, where are you heading this week? Where, what's on the docket? What's your traffic? Uh, yeah, um, not Ole Miss, Alabama. Not- <laughs> um, it'll be. Uh, well, wait. Utah- did you do the white bar? Did you do the white barbecue sauce? Did you? What, what was the? I what, did. The, uh, I you did. did. Oh, nice. What did you get? How I was did. it? You know what? I wasn't planning on it, and then the pregame meal 
that they brought us in the booth. Nice. Had chicken with the white barbecue sauce on it. It was delicious. I told you. Yeah, that's that's I've had it like two or three times. It's really good. I enjoy it. Yeah, I like that. I like All the right, Dreamland barbecue. I'm also evidently Fran, a banana pudding guy. Oh, nice. Oh, it was go. delicious. Absolutely delicious. So yeah, man, it was uh it was pretty pretty awesome, I'd say. Uh nice. everything about it. I got Utah State at UConn. On okay. Saturday, a little bit different, but yep. uh, you know, you know me, dude. It's a football game, D one. Like I'm, I'm all over. It's my Super Bowl this week. There we go. Uh, well, looking forward to hearing your coverage uh, of that game, Ross. Thanks so much for joining us here once again on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We will talk to you next week. Let's now transition to our next segment. It's time now for Faux Focus. I've got Ben Standing from the Athletic. We're going to talk Eagles Commanders. What's this matchup look like from the other side? Time to find out in full focus. All right, like I said earlier, excited to welcome in for Faux Focus, Ben Standing, who's been on the show before. You could follow him on Twitter at Ben Standing. He's got great work over at The Athletic covering the Washington Commanders. Ben, welcome back to the show. Fran, always a pleasure. Usually I'm asking you about prospects and things like that, but now we get to talk <laughs> some actual football. Yes, exactly right. And, uh, you know, I mean, look, you you were on the show a couple of times last year uh, doing this exact segment. So, you know, the, the questions by now. Uh, but for the first time, I'll ask you to put on your Eric Bieniemy hat, uh, the new the new offensive coordinator for Washington going into this game. Obviously, it was rough. It was a rough outing last week. But what is the biggest strength for this team entering this game on Bieniemy's side of the ball? What, what gives him confidence to win this game on Sunday afternoon? It's a great question. I mean. You know, the, the offense, the strength of the offense by personnel is obviously the receiving core with Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel. Then you factor in Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson's back to having some fumble issues, but obviously he's a, a good threat as well. And you, if you can figure out ways to get those guys involved on a regular basis, you should be in pretty good position to move the ball. And despite Sam Howell's horrible game last week, there's no other way to say it. You know, he's looked pretty good in the other in the, in the first two games, both wins. I, I think, though. The question is, how do you maximize that? And between the offensive line struggles and Hal's just inexperience, I imagine the Eagles might have a plan or two for him. Um, how do you maximize those guys? They have struggled to get their receivers open so far. Um, Dotson and McLaurin, if you look at like some of the next-gen stats, they're pretty far down the list as far as getting separation on their routes. So, you know, I'm, I know I'm talking more about the weaknesses, but th those are the strengths. I mean, if you can get the ball to those guys, they should be able to make plays. I mean, obviously, McLaurin's one of the better receivers. Dotson had a really good rookie year, and I know a lot was expected of him this year. So that's the strength. I will also say I think that Brian Robinson is probably the one who has played yeah. up to his level and maybe a little bit more um, this this year so far. Um, so that's the thing. How do you how do you scheme this against obviously a really good Eagles defense to get those guys in? open you get them in space what have you so that's the strength if they can figure out ways to to, to maximize those players yeah, and McLaren has been somewhat of an Eagles killer over the course of his career, right? I mean, yeah, well, one of his breakout games came in his rookie year against the this Eagles team. He's been dealing with, correct me if I'm wrong, a turf toe, right? Going back to, to the summer or some kind of a toe injury to, based off your reporting, like how much has that impacted him so far this year? You know, it's a good question. It happened um, in preseason the second preseason game he didn't he has not missed any regular season games really hasn't even been a topic uh he said he was pretty good to go that first game and 
you know, he had a, a, a touchdown catch against the Broncos in week two. So it is actually maybe a good question to follow up on him, but we have really not talked about it at all since the injury. So I haven't noticed it. But again, as I said, they they have struggled to uh, to get their receivers open. Maybe, you know, even if it's just a, a holding back a tick, that that's all it takes for defenders to keep up. But I don't think it's been much of an issue to this point. Yeah, and the, and the screen game has been really, really good. Uh, you know, I obviously, look, nothing really clicked last week against Buffalo, but the first two games, I mean, that was something that really stood out. Uh, was that something that you saw over the course of the summer? Was that like a topic of conversation, just uh, the expansion of the screen game down there in Washington? I remember back in May um, when uh, no, well, uh, OTAs, yeah, I guess about May, sure. right? yep. and there was like, in like a four play stretch, they ran a screen like three times to running backs. And, you know, you might, the way I was reacting, you might as well have thought, um, you know, I just got invited to the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey <laughs> wedding or something. Um, like it was just like, wow, look at that. And, you know, Antonio Gibson in particular, this is a guy who, um, you know, had, had went coming out of coming out of college. He was a receiver. He was a receiver. Oh, yeah. And the whole point was, this is a guy who's perfect for getting space, but it's never quite worked out that way previously. Um, and so seeing that happen, we're like, oh, this could be interesting. And then Brian Robinson's a much better receiver than I think people maybe thought coming out of college, um, et cetera. So I'm not surprised that that's happening based on what we saw this summer. And then in week two, they really did capitalize on that and, and were pretty pretty effective. Like you said, last week, nothing worked, but I think they only called like one screen. So I don't know if that was getting too cute or what have you, but uh, yeah, that is something that they can do and they have the pieces to do it, but we'll see, um, you know, if they're, if they're calling it enough and it can execute it uh, against the Eagles. Well, let's go to the other side. I'll ask you to put on your Jack Del Rio hat. Uh, What is the biggest strength on defense for the commanders going into this matchup? Uh, What gives you the ability uh, to win this game? Well, the defensive front, right? I mean, yeah. when you when you have four starters who are all first round picks in consecutive years, that should be a strength. Now, my thing going into this year was last year they were like a top ten defense, essentially led by the line. And you know, Deron Payne, John Allen both made the Pro Bowl. Montez Sweat had about what eight sacks. Chase Young was obviously out for pretty much the whole year, but then you know he's looked better um, athletically. He's looked spry uh, for the most part the summer, and he did when he first came back. So to me, it's not enough to just be statistically good. They need to be imposing. They need to be a thing where beyond the quarterback, you're saying this is where this game could turn because these guys are that dominant. And the Arizona game week one, the Denver game in week two, they are the ones that turned the game around with a strip sack against Denver. It was linebacker Jamin Davis who had forced the fumble on the quarterback, but like the defensive line from there really took over. Last week against Buffalo, Josh Allen was completing a ton of passes on third down. He's obviously a tough guy for anybody to to bring down, but they didn't have any sacks. So realistically, the defense is going to go as the line goes. Uh, They're not that great at linebacker. The secondary's got some interesting talent with a bunch of young guys. The defensive line is where it's at. And Deron Payne's been fantastic. Montez Sweat as well, John Allen. So that is definitely the strength, of course. The Eagles have a pretty good offensive line, so if they can neutralize Washington's strength, it could be a tough day for that defense. 
Yeah, uh, certainly when you talk about that defense, it's going to start up front. And when you look at Young and, and Sweat, I asked uh, Greg Cosell on the show earlier this week, I was like, uh, has there been one guy from that foursome that has stood out most to you so far this fall? And I wanted, he didn't really, he was like, oh, like not necessarily. So I want to ask you as someone who obviously watches this team extremely closely, of those four, like if you had to circle one, you're the Eagles offensive line preparing for this and you're like, all right, like uh, this is the guy right now through three weeks, uh, who would it be and why? It's it, it's tough, but I mean, I I think I would say Deron Payne. I mean, Montez yeah. Sweat's been really good, but man, you know, there's always that worry. You, you give a guy a big contract, then what? And Deron Payne last year was his best year as a pro by far. It was a contract year. You kind of do that whole game of like, oh, now what? Boy, he might be as good or better than he was last year. There was a, the first series of the second half last week. It wasn't just that the defense forced a three and out against Denver uh, two weeks ago against Denver. It's that he did it by himself. Basically, he was just the, th- the first three plays. He was he blew up every play and, and made it miserable for Russell Wilson in that offense. So I yep. would say Deron Payne. He's just been a force across the board. But again, they, it also helps when you have Allen and you have Sweat uh, and Chase Young. All right, let's go uh, now to head coach Ron Rivera. Uh, if you're uh, Coach Rivera going into this matchup, what's keeping you up at night? What's the what's the biggest concern? I feel like I know what this answer is going to be, but <laughs> we got to ask it. Well, look, I mean, you know, you're going to have ups and downs when you have a young quarterback. That's all that, you know, that, that's, that's just how life goes. But they're taking way too many sacks. Some of that's on Sam Howell because he's holding on to the ball a bit too much. But some of it's also on the offensive line. And this was the, the, easily the shakiest group, I would say, going into the season. And, of course, what what a time for that You're going up against what the Eagles have up front. I mean, all I see online is Jalen Carter, this Jalen Carter, that. So, you know, can the combination of how, but it's, you know, it's a a combination of the enemy. What play calls is he doing? If he's having house sit in the pocket for too long, that could be a problem. If they do some quicker throws and maybe that's a way to help everybody involved, but simultaneously can the line give him enough, uh, uh, enough time I don't know. I mean, especially this week, they couldn't last week. I mean, Bills had nine sacks, and they've had they've given up nineteen through three games. I believe that's the hot that's the most sacks allowed since the Texans in two thousand five over three games. So that combination of the line, Hal's and experience. I mean, Hal did some really good things the first couple of weeks. I'm sure you've seen some of the highlights, or, or yep. you know, knowing you, you probably watched the tape, but um, that I mean, that whole combination, the young quarterback, the shaky offensive line. And how does BNB help all of that? I think that to me is, if I'm Rivera, it's got to be the scariest part of this game, even more than whatever Philly presents troubles uh, from their offensive side. What do you view, uh, Ben, as the most pivotal matchup on Sunday? Is it that O-line versus the D-line? What do you think kind of determines the outcome of this game? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's interesting that (laughs) if you look at each piece of the offensive line, Right. It's, it's always for any team. Like there's no, every team has weaknesses in their starting lineup. It's just, you can't be great everywhere. The key is often, though, do you have enough other pieces in that position group to make the one weakness not as big of a deal or, or, or you're good enough in other places that you can go help that one spot? Yeah. The problem with Washington is they're kind of questionable at all five spots. Um, you know, again, going back to the Jalen Carter of it all, you know, with him and Jordan Davis and everything inside. Like Washington has two athletic guards and Sadiq Charles and Sam Cosme and Nick Gates has given them a toughness at center that yep. maybe they lacked before, but I don't know. <laughs> and I got to see how they're going to be able to hold up. And, 
you know, also again, you know, the, the, the Andrew Wiley at right tackle who was with BNM in Kansas City. You guys obviously saw him last year in the Super Bowl. He was the weak spot of that Chiefs line. That Chiefs line had what three Pro Bowlers on it. They don't have that here, and he's definitely take, had a rough start to this season. So if you, you know, if, if if the Eagles can get some guys coming off the edge of, on his end, that could be a problem too. So yeah, just the, the line against the, the Eagles' defensive front, I definitely concerned, especially again when you have such a young quarterback and Sam Howell. Yeah, it's uh, certainly to me, I agree with you. It's that that is the matchup that's going to determine the outcome uh, of this game. And like we were talking about earlier in the show with Ross, like uh, that's going to be a repetitive statement that I feel like week to week is like uh, the matchup on either side of the line of scrimmage for the Eagles going up against their opponent. But uh, I think it's especially pertinent here this week. Ben, thanks so much for joining us here once again on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. Fran, always a pleasure, man. Thanks. All right, great stuff there from Ben. As always, I always want to end this show late in the week with our our extra analysis from the Eagles game plan crew. That's John Clark, Ike Reese, Mike Quick, and Greg Cosell. Due to time constraints, couldn't get all of this analysis into the show, but I kept it for you. Here's what we got from the cutting room floor. Here's my concern when I think about this matchup. A wounded team like Washington. You know, you you mentioned them playing well uh, against Denver. They played well the first couple of weeks, but... He's not Taylor Heineke. He's so much better than Heineke in my mind. You know, he's the son of a football coach. Uh, He knows how to play the position. I just believe that all the weapons that he has around him, I think that when he starts to utilize all of these weapons, he can move that offense. He can control the football and control the football game. That's what I would be concerned about going into this matchup. You're right, Q. They have big-time weapons on the perimeter. And again, we'll see how the Eagles choose to play. They played a ton of big nickel last week with three safeties, even in some passing situations. But with Dotson, Samuel, and McLaurin, they all move around. They're not only in one spot. They've got weapons on the perimeter. And like I said, Howell is willing to turn it loose and make throws. And I don't think he's going to be bothered by what he did last week. I still think he'll be aggressive throwing the football. They talk about bringing the sweat and the pain down in Washington. <laughs> that's, that's their thing. And, G, you're so right. If they can't get their front four to be dominant, this is a team that you can certainly take advantage of running the football, certainly. And, and I think once you do that, I don't think they want to allow this team to just break their backs running the football. And they're going to bring guys down in the box to try and slow down that running game. Then it opens up things on the outside for these weapons that the Eagles have on the outside. Yeah, and and Q, you know, they're they're a team that plays big nickel, meaning three safeties. Cameron Curl is essentially a linebacker when they're playing against base personnel. And, you know, he's a really good player, but he's he's not a linebacker in terms of size. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Eagles approach the run game. Curl is also the defender when they do play man. They're not a high percentage man coverage team, but when they do play man, he matches the tight end. So we'll see if the Eagles look to take advantage of that. But from a coverage perspective, a lot of split safety, a lot of zone and you know, we'll see. Jalen right now, he's got to see it clearly. He's got to understand where the voids are, and he's got to be decisive throwing the football. All right, Greg, nice job diving into that film on a short week. Coming back strong. Appreciate you. All right, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you. You got it. And obviously the first three weeks, it's been a crash course for Brian Johnson and the Eagles offense. A lot of different defenses showing a lot of different things, a lot of disguises. Jason Kelsey said they did a lot better job handling the chaos. What are we going to see from the Washington defense? Is this going to be different than the disguises we've seen? 
So I, I think this is a type of defense that they're not going to do a lot of movement on the back end. You might see some post-snap movement, but they line up and they play. They're very talented up front. They've got some really talented guys on the back end. So you'll see some movement, cam curl. You know, these guys are really good when you, when you think about them individually. But as a collective group, you're not going to see a lot of disguise. I think this is the type of game where Jalen Hurts can really do well in the passing game. I really believe that they're going to have to at some point bring guys down in the box to try and slow down the run game. You're going to get some one-on-ones. And A.J. Brown, if he's on the outside against Fuller or Forbes, yeah. you know, Forbes is 160 pounds. He's 6'1", <laughs> 160 pounds. You know, when the ball's in the air, he turns wide receiver. He's really good at that. But in terms of just staying with the wide receivers that the Eagles have, I don't think they're going to be very good at doing that. Yeah, and I think we're going to have to do a good job of being patient and throwing with anticipation. When a team plays more zone, they are daring you to figure out where you want to go with the football. When it's man-to-man, it's a lot easier yeah. for a quarterback to see where his passing lanes are going to be at. When they when they have guys back in zone coverage, now you almost have to wait and anticipate where your guys are going to come open at. So it starts up front, making sure Jalen has protection there. Then secondly, Jalen which he showed last week. He has to do continue to do a good job of being patient and throwing with anticipation. Yeah, teams aren't going to play man-to-man, or I wouldn't play man-to-man versus this Eagles offense because of Jalen's ability to beat you with his legs. So if you can get as many eyes on the quarterback, looking yeah. back at the quarterback, you can react that way. That's the type of defense I expect Jack Del Rio to try to implore against this Eagles offense. Yeah, Ike, you're right. I think that they'll do that and try and keep – Eyes on the quarterback playing zone. But when the Eagles start to run the football effectively, and then they've got to bring extra guys into the box to try and slow down that run, that's where I think that the game is going to get to. I do believe that it will get to that point where they're going to get some single coverages on the outside. Yeah, it's a matter of what Washington would rather give up. Yes. You know, to the Eagles. Do they want to give up the explosive plays? And what we've seen so far this year is the teams don't want the Eagles to get the explosive plays on them. So they keep the two safeties high and they're saying, okay, run the ball and we'll try to defend that. And if they, if Washington comes in with that same game plan, I expect Brian Johnson and this offense to run the ball down Washington's throat and get them out of that zone defense. John, but unlike previous weeks, we're not going to see all of these post-snap movements and all the multiple fronts because Washington, they're just going to line up and play. And again, be sure to check out the Eagles game plan show. It goes up digitally uh, every single week across all Eagles channels. Or if you live in the Philadelphia area, typically Sundays at NBC10. We have a special time this week, though. Friday, 7.30, because we've got Ryder Cup action on NBC uh, on Sunday morning. So make sure you check it out uh, if you live in the Philadelphia area. Or if you don't, you can check it out uh, on all the Eagles digital channels. Great stuff there from the Eagles game plan crew. Thanks to all of them. And thanks to you out there as well for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our X's and O's content with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.